Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Gotta get the door. Just gotta shut the door there, sorry about that. I'm having a difficult afternoon, folks. It's been a difficult afternoon. I had my guest for this week's show lined up. I'm, I'm taking you behind the scenes here. I could just not say anything and present this as like a seamless professional piece of work a bit later on, but I don't think I'm going to do that. We need to see behind the scenes, behind the curtain, the whole Wizard of Oz thing, how podcasting really happens. No, I don't think anybody really needs to see that. I just feel like complaining a little bit. It's going to be one of those shows, I guess. Some days, some weeks, it all goes perfectly smoothly. You sit down, everything just works out. The guest is there. They say good things. You don't have to do any editing. And then, you know, the, the whole rest of it just comes together. Everything is seamless and perfect and wonderful and brilliant. And, well, I mean, I assume it is. I'm just, I'm just saying from a from a process point of view, I'm not necessarily saying that about the content of the podcast. That can be that can be flaky. That can That can change. There's the dog now, barking. See what I mean? Front door going. It's one of those days. Anyway, you know what happened? You know who I'm blaming for my uh, troubles this afternoon? Microsoft. That's right, Microsoft. I don't have any Microsoft products. I do not use a Microsoft-based uh, computer. I'm not using Windows XP or Windows 90-whatever-it-is-now. I'm guessing it's Windows 16. No? Or whatever, Windows, whatever. I'm not using that. I'm not using any Microsoft products, apart from, of course, Skype. Skype, generally speaking, is how you would connect to a guest. Uh, you, you would Skype them on their Skype, or you can use Skype to call them on the phone. Uh, you know, if we're not using the more high-tech options, because there's not much point, because ultimately you're, um, you're at the mercy of whatever the, the person at the other end has to talk into. So if they've only got a telephone... Uh, there's not much point in doing the old uh, high-tech stuff that myself and James use because he's got a really good microphone at his end, and that's why it sounds good. But Skype was down. Skype was out. It was it was missing. It was like the Arsenal defense against Everton on Tuesday night. It was dysfunctional. It was misfiring. It was unable to stop an Ashley Williams-sized gremlin get into their system and win it late on. So by the time we'd figured that out, my guest... Had to go to work, and now I don't quite know what to do. He may be able to pop back in later on. I hope he is able to, because that would save me the, the hassle of looking around for somebody else. Um, what do I do, though? Like, uh, it's now 10 to 4, 10 to 4 in the afternoon. What do I do? Do I start looking around now for an alternative guest? It's a bit late. 10 to 4 on a Thursday afternoon. I mean, I could, could send a few DMs, send a few emails, that kind of stuff, or... I could just lazily sit here until he said he might be available around 8 or 9 o'clock. I could do that. That's a bit like living on the edge, though, isn't it? Because what if he's not? What if he isn't able to do it at 8 or 9 o'clock? Then I'm in, oh, then I'm in a complete hole. I'm fucked. You just have to put up with me talking for, I don't know, half an hour, 25 minutes. What would I even talk about for that long? could talk about how podcast is fucked. Yeah. That would be a great podcast. Just talking about how bad the podcast is. Oh, man. It's one of those afternoons. What can you do, though? Just got to get on with it. Bit like Arsenal. Hmm. Yeah. Nice segue there. Into- no, it wasn't. It was terrible. But we do have to We do have to just get on with it, don't we? After what was a disappointing, disappointing night at Goodison Park. Started pretty well. We played pretty well. 
passed it around pretty well, scored. Not the greatest goal you'll ever see. From an Arsenal point of view, Alexis Sanchez took the free kick. It hit Ashley Williams' legs, went between them, in fact. He stuck a, the keeper stuck a hand out, got a hand to it. The ball went over the line all the same. So it was like all the things that take goodness away from a goal were there. So a deflection and a goalkeeper getting a hand on it and a, not, not the greatest shot in the first place. But look, you, you know, we don't mind that. You don't really care what way they go in. Once they go in, there are no points for artistic impression. I'm not here to cast dispersions on the aesthetics of Arsenal goals. Once they go in, I'm, I'm just pretty much all right with it. But the fact that that was the only one we could make go in, that was, uh, that was our downfall. That was the problem. Everton got better as the game went on. Well, certainly as the second half went on, they got better. They upped their intensity and we didn't. We just, I won't say necessarily sat back. I thought Everton deserve a bit of credit for the way that they responded. Um, we don't deserve very much credit for the way we defended. I thought Theo Walcott could probably have done a bit more to stop that Leighton Baines cross. And uh, obviously, uh, letting somebody have a free header uh, from just in front of the goal, that's not ideal. I'm pretty sure that that's right up there in the manual of things you shouldn't do in a game of football that you're trying to win. <sighs> And then we started better again in the second half, I thought, uh, and should have gone ahead. Mess it. Ozil's, what did he do? How did he, why? Come on. A guy of his quality and ability and goal-scoring form this season. Set up by Alexis Sanchez. Coquelin had sent a very nice pass through to Alexis Sanchez. Sanchez pulled it back for Ozil and he uh, should have hit the target. He should have put it in the back of the net. Instead, he put it over and into the uh, into the stand, and that was disappointing. And on a night when we weren't really creating a great deal, where we weren't necessarily clicking as an attacking force, it always felt like that could be a, a bit of a costly miss. Uh, again, Everton up their intensity. They did more. We tried to change it. We brought on Iwobi and Giroud for Walcott and Oxlade-Chamberlain, who hadn't really done a great deal. It didn't work. And then they got their winner. Corner that shouldn't have been a corner. We cleared that one. Then there was another corner and they headed that in. And I thought we should have had a penalty, though. I stand by that. Having seen it in real time, having seen it on replays, and having seen the old reverse angle, I still pretty much insist that's a penalty. Which, of course, uh, as I keep saying, and I've had to say a number of times this week, that uh, pointing out that we should have had a penalty is not making an excuse for the way that we played or the way that we defended. But games, generally speaking, in the Premier League are decided on very, very fine margins. Like if Tottenham didn't get the penalty they should have had against Arsenal, we would have won that game 1-0. And we should have had a penalty against Everton. And uh, I I guess maybe on the night in question, you could be fatalistic and say, ah, we were never going to score it. But I think, you know, Olivier Giroud is a good penalty taker. I think he probably would have scored 2-2, not ideal not great, not what we were looking for, but certainly not as bad as, as losing and losing our unbeaten run, which, of course, stretched back to the opening day of the season. Um, so not really a good week in that sense from a footballing point of view. And, of course, everybody else won. The next night we were playing on Tuesday and on Wednesday, uh, Chelsea won, Manchester United won, Tottenham won, Liverpool won. Uh, who are the other cunts? Manchester City won. They all won, and we we didn't. We're very much the odd one out this week, and it's it's changed the mood. It's changed the perception of 
of the way our season is going, that everyone this time last week was feeling pretty good, pretty confident, and now after one bad result, it's like, oh, no, not this again. It's it's happening again. It might be happening again, but, you know, it also might not. That's the thing. We don't know. That's the beauty of sport. It could be different, like, you know, significantly, or it could be exactly. I don't know. I'm not a future teller. I'm not a, you know, a soothsaying guy. Uh, I suppose those of a a more glass-half-empty outlook will say, well, look, this is just what happens. We've been here before, and if you can't see what's happening, then, you know, you're mad. And those with a glass uh, half-full will say, you know, you can't always make predictions on the future based on what happens in the past. Things can change. Things can be different. And I think I'd be a little more inclined to go with that uh, point of view, that things could be a little bit different because we've seen that things are a bit different this season. The football is better. We're a bit more secure. We're a bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. See? Terrible day, difficult day. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that th- that we've shown a bit more character and a bit more, a bit more gumption. There's a good word when you can't think of a word and then all of a sudden gumption pops up. That's a good word. And we've shown a bit more of that. But of course, we look to Sunday and think, well, this will be the test. This will be a a test of how we can respond. When you have a disappointing result and you're playing somebody like, I don't know, uh, you know, a team in the bottom half of the table, then you can be relatively confident that you're going to respond. You're going to react in a positive way. But when you lose an unbeaten run and your next game is away at Manchester City as difficult and all as their season has been and as uh, tough as they've found it in recent weeks, it's still not the not the greatest place in the world to go. Away from home, our record there is not particularly good. So, uh, yeah, this will be a real test and it'll be a real test of the quality of this side and how quickly can they respond to a setback? How soon can they get themselves back on their feet after uh, a disappointing result? I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. But you know what we should do? We should talk about this with this week's guest. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's nobody right now. Nobody can't do it. Oh, what the hell am I gonna? What am I gonna do here? You know what I'll do? Is I will wait four hours to see if they can do it or not. And if they can, brilliant. And if they can't, then I'll go into full-on emergency mode. So while you're waiting, here's four hours of intermission music. Good evening. Let's start with Everton then. Um, Arsenal have lost twice in the league this season, twice to clubs from Merseyside, once at home and once away. 
Uh, I think when you looked at the fixtures that we have coming up, uh, particularly the one on Sunday against Manchester City, you, you would have thought if we were going to slip up, it was going to be against Manchester City. But it was Everton and uh, a disappointing result after going ahead. We just seemed to let it slip a bit. Yeah, it caught me by surprise. Um, the Especially having gone 1-0 up, I thought we started quite well. Uh, mm. And then there's always, obviously, you're always nervous about, about not getting the first goal. And then, and then when we did, um, with the naivety that we all have, which we really shouldn't do after, after watching football and, and watching this club for so long, um, I, I, I relaxed. I did the same as the players. And... Um, I, I kind of assumed it would all be fine from there because Everton are, uh, let's be honest, not a very good team. Um, they, they've been terrible uh, recently. And I, I, I thought we were actually playing fairly well up until that point. The I, I'm often quite reluctant to, uh, to put poor results to put disappointments down to down to psychological factors i think it's just um or maybe that's the wrong word but down to it, it's very easy to kind of say the players didn't get just stuck in they didn't you know it, they let themselves down they let us down and this kind of thing you could apply that to, to nearly anything and, and often it, it lets i think it lets the, the manager off the hook uh who, who ultimately is responsible for picking a team that works um, and usually when we have disappointments, it's it's because, I think, because of strategy and, 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 the, and the team that's that's picked the direction they're going in. I, I have one big complaint from, from the game in that perspective, which is which is how we played the, towards the end and the players that came on and, and just, uh, you know, that, that there were some wrong decisions there. But, Can you, will you expand uh, on that for me a little bit, please? I mean, you mean like the team that he picked was more or less the same one that, that beat Stoke at home. Yeah. Um, is it a case that, for example, you can't play... Walcott and Oxley chamberlain away from home. If you think back, there was a time I think Arsene Wenger was a little bit reluctant to use Robert Pires and Freddie Jumberg away from home. He went for perhaps something a little more solid. And then are you referring to the substitutions that he made? More on the substitutions. I think I, I would prefer Iwobi to have started on the left. I think that would have made more sense with the starting eleven. But ultimately, I don't have a I don't have a problem with the starting eleven. I think it totally made sense, and they, and they showed that they were entirely capable of dominating the game with with those players on the pitch and going on to, to win it comfortably. I mean, there are always ifs, but if Ursel puts either of his chances away, um, then then we're you know uh, we're, we're two 0 up, and I think. I think we'd have we'd have gone on to win comfortably. The yeah, the the issue is is towards the end of the game ha- having. Uh, I think we we have two ways of playing. We have the very we have the very quick on your toes um, sort of occasionally high pressing high tempo game, which which involves the quick players uh, having having um, having Walcott as as an outlet. Um, being able to being able to play quick balls up through mm. Ozil to Sanchez, that kind of game, and then of course we, we do have the Plan B that we've seen in getting the ball wide, crossing it into Giroud um, when on the on the sort of relatively few occasions he's played or when when he's started, I mean, but when he's when he's come off the bench, I think we ended up in the 
um, towards the end of the game with, and I, I'm not, of course, just meaning the frantic um, final three minutes after they'd got, you know, after they'd got their second, but the the last, oh, I can't remember what it was, it last 20 minutes or so. Yeah. We ended up, I thought, with a, a complete muddle of the two. Um, it was bizarre because Everton were, pushing for there was a point where they were pushing forward and we and we have I, I never understand why we have Giroud in that situation where there there are opportunities for counterattacks and we we bring on we slow the whole team down by bringing down bringing on the slowest forward that we have uh, to lead the line um and then but equally the Sanchez stayed on Sanchez and Giroud don't work never have done um Iwobi was doing everything he does having you know clever build-up play everything but not doing what not you know beating his man and swinging in crosses to Giroud which is what's worked in in previous games when Mm. we've had Chamberlain and Giroud come on at the same time and then you do that and and there was there was notable confusion in the side about how we were going to Get what was originally the the winner, uh, which 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 was which was so badly needed. Yeah. So there was that disappointment. But I have to say, I'm not for this game. I think there was a psychological problem. I think we just we just didn't. It's difficult winning the league. It's difficult having that intensity every game. And I thought we we had it against Stoke, and that was really really reassuring. Um, and and it was disappointing to have I'd say about a half an hour period in the middle of the match where where we really lacked that. Do, do you think it was... How much was it down to Arsenal relaxing after the first goal going in and Everton... It all, When you think back on the game, maybe at the time it's it's not so obvious, but when you think back on the game, it's almost as if, as if Everton played that way deliberately at first and then up the intensity towards the end of the half. Now, maybe our friend Orbino on Twitter can... Uh, point us in the right direction here but I I, I'm, I seem to recall him posting whether it was this season or last season that we had a tendency to concede in the last 15 minutes before half time uh, that was something that we were doing quite a lot of so maybe there was a, an element of that but I mean was it was it to do with Arsenal becoming casual uh, not going for the second goal that would have perhaps you know changed the trajectory of the game or even killed the game to a certain extent you know we were very much on top but also Everton really really stepped it up as well that they didn't give us all of a sudden they weren't giving us the time on the ball that we were we were enjoying. I mean, I think you always you always blame your own team, don't you? And that's what I mean. That's what I am. I am finding myself leaning towards. Like Everton. Well, I think one thing that's been forgotten is because the um, the way the game ended with everything going in their favour and the whole you know the grounds being everyone on their feet and it being you know very high energy is is how low on energy Goodison was earlier in the game. Um, it was. I mean, it was. Uh, the atmosphere was dead earlier on, and and they were terrible. They mm. were really, really bad. And we we absolutely had a chance to stifle them and just and just to um, uh, really demoralise them and stamp our authority and and come away with three points. And I think we 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 gradually let them back in like bit by bit mm. and there there is something to be said you're right they they did step it up they started to win the ball back which they just weren't at the start of the game um but i don't know i mean i i didn't really thought about that but we 
in previous seasons we have had points where we we've struggled with teams just you know just closing us down a bit just you know having a period of intensity and getting on us and 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 strangely given that we have this reputation as a passing team not being able to keep the ball in those situations um so i think that that is a little bit worrying but uh, it that comes down partly to concentration um and I think that that it is one of those situations where we did stop concentrating as, mm. as much as we need to, and we lost that intensity and we lost that determination um, to to get a second goal and um, and and make it really count. Mm. I mean, we did have the chance, obviously, with Mesut Ozil in the second half to to get ourselves back in front. And when you talk about concentration, you talk about you know lapses. It, it is these really small things, these fine margins that can determine games. You know, there there have been games this season where the opposition have missed reasonable chances to score goals and it's worked in our favour uh, Everton didn't miss those chances the other night uh, obviously uh, Seamus Coleman scored just before half time the, the goal that we conceded right at the death or in the last few minutes from, from Ashley Williams you can look at both of those goals and see that with a bit more I don't want to like put it on an intangible like effort but, but I think concentration is probably the right way to put it that with a bit more concentration a bit more organisation don't leave Mesut Ozil, for example, being the guy who has to compete with, with Ashley Williams from a corner, you know, th- those kind of things uh, c- can make a big difference. And we didn't master those. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. We've had um, our defense hasn't hasn't been as sterling as as, as we sometimes think this this year and we do yeah we've had points where it, we clearly have got away with um with, with the opposition missing chances and um yeah absolutely this was um this was a, a wake-up call in that respect i mean as i say again it's what well, a disappointing thing is that there has been this question over the team's um <laughs> the team's mental strength without if I can say that without sounding like I'm taking a piss um, in, in, in recent times. And, and some um, will actually, I mean, Wenger teams often, um, you know, as we know, he has a laissez-faire approach and sometimes don't take the game by the scruff of the neck in, in, in a way that we'd like to see. Um, and, and I thought that, that, again, on the weekend is why we had... There was a very positive feeling after the game on Saturday, uh, which wasn't that easy. I mean, Stoke and uh, and Mark Hughes both have terrible records, uh, or not, neither have won uh, at our ground yeah. um, since we moved there. Um, but they, for me, that was that was one of the least bad um, Stoke Mark Hughes performances at, at our place. They had they had something about them. They had a plan, um, and it, and it wasn't that easy. And I mean, I, 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 I'm being boring. I just agree with what you say. It's um, it's those little things that turn the game. And the equaliser on the weekend, you know, that that kind of level of focus and concentration brought us that goal. And then the, and then the, the second and the third, and and it was just small things that mm. that changed the game against Everton. Um, and and it is disappointing because you can really see how with that slight 
you know, with, with this psychological level just turned up a little bit, it wouldn't have even taken that much. It would have just taken a little bit of an improvement. We'd have, we'd have, we needed three points from it rather than one, let mm. alone zero. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that's, that's what should have happened. How do you view the the defeat then in the in the overall context of the season? Because immediately afterwards, a lot of people were saying, "Well, here we go. This is what happens. You know, we lose a game like this where you know we're expected to win. We had the chance to go back to the top of the table, albeit temporarily. And now, with what's happened with Chelsea, we're six points behind. We lose to Manchester City. We, we could be nine points behind, which is which, of course, is true." Uh, it is worst case scenario kind of stuff, but you know, in terms of the bigger picture, do, is there more to learn from Arsenal's fourteen game unbeaten run, or from what we saw uh, on Tuesday at Goodison Park? I think it. Um, I'm going to try to be positive and say the former. I, I'm trying to to look at this um, <laughs> kind of a bit more philosophically. I, I always think in terms of. Obviously, the league is is across thirty eight games and and is is a measure of of your average performances across those thirty eight games. So whenever I mean drawing at home to Borough was a big disappointment. The way I saw it, at the, we were a little bit unlucky that game, but we'd been quite lucky in games before that it, to to turn draws into wins. So that those are the times when you know, it's very easy to pick games out of a season and and, and teams that persistently fail will always do this and say well if we if we'd have just won that and won that then we'd have finished above our local rivals for the first time in 20 years for example (laughs) and of course that's not that's not how it works any that any team including the winners can go back and pick their their four or five most disappointing games that the 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 question is whether you you end up on on three defeats four defeats or seven or eight and 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 of course the same going for for drop points when when you draw games and i i would we are very early in the season and we've got we've got a lot of games of course coming up in a short period of time and i think the squad this season what makes me more positive is that the, the squad I think is in a lot better position than it's been for for a very long time. I don't think the manager is still that great uh, 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 rotating the squad, but frankly, which which manager is rotating well in England at the moment? Guardiola, I'm sure we'll come on to this in a minute, is really struggling to rotate. Um, I actually thought Pellegrini was very good at managing his squad, and so far we haven't seen Guardiola do that as well. I don't think. Um, and we're quite, you know, we've got some injuries, sure, but most of them are players coming back fairly soon. Um, and, and I think there is a, a, you know, we're quite well balanced. So mm. I think if the team can um, can can respond from uh, from from the Everton game, then then we're still in a very strong position. And that's when you start to think we look back in, in February and, and, you know, we turn that negative into a positive and think, well, we've been on that great run. Yeah. We messed up at Goodison and then we put on another run. So there's no, I, I don't see what I suppose I'm getting at is I don't see any fundamental reason why we can't go on another run I don't see any reason in terms of injuries I don't see any reason in terms of tactics and who we've got the players that we have I don't see a big gaping hole in the squad necessarily I, I don't I, you know I'm not desperate for us to sign someone in 
in January, which is good because we probably won't. Um, <laughs> and it's 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 very much you know looking forward now in terms of sure. in terms of how we respond in these games. Yeah, and it's you, you, I think you're right in the sense that it's more to do with managing the players that he has in a way that 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 brings out the best in them because you know you look at what what happened against Stoke and the way that we played. Um, Alex Oxley Chamberlain got an assist. Theo Walcott. Theo Walcott scored against Stoke, didn't he? Right? Yeah, the first uh, yeah. equalising. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Theo scored. Alex Oxley Chamberlain gets an assist, and you can sort of see the rationale in keeping them in the team for the next mm. game. And I think that that's been part of perhaps what has made us more effective this season. When you know Alexis, he hasn't always scored. He's scored obviously pretty often, and, and Ozil has scored pretty often. But but we've had the wide players chipping in, like uh, like Walcott, Oxide Chamberlain. They've been chipping in w- with a, a reasonable amount of goals. Uh, but they didn't chip in. They couldn't contribute the other night, and I think that's what that's what did us in. And perhaps there there is a need just for a little bit more in terms of rotation in those wide areas because there are players like Iwobi, like Lucas Perez, for example, who could come in and and just sort of remind people that they do have to really stay on their toes. Um, you know, if they want if they want to keep their place. But you spoke about Guardiola. Um, he's finding it quite difficult, isn't he? To to come to terms with a league where it's a very competitive and b he is a long way from being the manager of the best team or the best squad with the best players. Mm. I, I think the uh, I mean I think Man City's first eleven, if there's if there's such a thing, is is incredible. Is I mean I think it's it's the best in uh, in in the division. Um, the the depth of the squad for for such a wealthy club I don't think is is that strong actually, um, and and I think this is what he's struggling with. The I mean you could say anyone would do well with with De Bruyne, Aguero, Sterling, etc. etc. Um, but he I mean it did click at the beginning of the season that they were they were great. It, it all looked good. Um, it's it's not been it's not been so strong in 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 recent times when as I say when 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 he's had to rotate and if there's a positive going into the game on on, on Sunday, it's I mean without what is it then now they don't have um Gundogan they don't have Fernandinho who I think is really important to them yeah um poss- possibly you know the most the hardest player for them to replace in the way that he's been trying to play this season um and then of course Aguero as as well up front um that does that does give us uh, a big opportunity it it is it's going to be fascinating over the course of the season and presumably next season and i suppose you'd even say the season after that how he gets on um the um I mean, I, I when he went there, I thought it, it's not as big a challenge as people are making out. I mean, they they've just got an, a, an exceptional amount of money and a, and a hugely talented squad. Um, but yeah, he he does he is certainly at the moment struggling with. Um, I mean, I think it's simply just bringing him who who shouldn't be at a club that that rich mm. um i mean one of whom used to play for us um certainly and then uh <laughs> fernando in, in midfield as well i mean I, I, are you then pretty i won't say pretty confident but confident that we can 
put this Everton thing to one side and go to Manchester City. I know we won there a couple of seasons ago, but generally our record there, you know, it's not terrible, but it's not great either. Um, are, are you relatively confident that these players have the ability to completely compartmentalise what happened on Tuesday night? I know they went out for their Christmas drinks during the week, so, you know, they've, they've, they've had a good night out, they've had a day off, they've got to come back, get back to work. I think one of the things we've seen in the past with, with Arsenal sides is that when we have come to the end of a, a pretty decent run, it, it sort of knocks us off track just a little bit. Um, mm. and it takes us a little while longer to go, to get back on it. And Arsene Wenger has spoken about the need for, or or the maturity in this side and the experience in this side. I mean, we have to see that come to the fore then on on Tuesday or on Sunday rather. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's strange because I used to. I mean, there was a time under Wenger when I, I used to almost not in, in enjoy the defeat, but enjoy the period after the defeat almost immediately because you could tell how much it anchored the team in a positive way, in a way that um, would would drive them on to, 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 to better things and to be less complacent in, in the coming games. Um, I mean, the, the defeat to Newcastle in, what was it, 2001, December 2001, when we then went on to, to win the double, mm. I think is, 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 a, is a famous one. Um, and there, there are a few others like that, whereas in recent years we have had this like this an enormous um demoralizing effect that um that a defeat can have um although the, the same thing did of course happen to the invincibles um after the 49th game as well so yeah. i mean i i'd like i suppose the point uh, what i'm trying to say is yeah i mean they need i suppose one one way of seeing it psychologically is that, that like they can put it behind them and move on but i mean i'd i'd like to see a bit of arrogance as well and a bit of anger therefore from what happened i mean i'd like to see Meza Ozil, I'd, I'd like to think it really great that he's just lost three points to a, a bunch of people who, some of whom shouldn't even be allowed on the same pitch as him. <laughs> I'd like to be, I'd like to see him thinking that way, thinking, I mean, he, he is better than basically their entire team. Um, and I'd like to see some of that coming out. Like, and of course that needs to be channeled in, in the right way. And of course we're never going to see... <clears throat> Mesut Ozil rolling up his sleeve, storming 50 yards and, and going studs in on someone. And we don't want to because that's... Well, I, 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 uh, might, I might actually want to see that just for the laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's, you know, he... I think when, 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 when Ozil focuses and really works hard, which he does in lots of games, he does it in a way which, which, is, um, which is very calculated and understated, but, but which is, is also noticeable if, if one looks out for it. And I'd like to see that. I'd like to, I'd like to see him saying, well, you know what? No, I'm not going to jump for a corner and elbow someone in the face because it's, it's not what I am. But I am actually going to go to Man City and I'm going to dominate this game. Um, and, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, to, to answer your question of whether I'm optimistic or not. I mean, I'll, I'll say I am. I mean, I think, I think we have a team capable of winning up there and, and um, we've seen a lot of positive things from this team in, in, in the games before Goodison Park. So, um, so yeah, I, I think we can put on a run. I think the games over Christmas and New Year, of, of course, uh, are very winnable, should, should be three points from, from those. Um, 
and it is it is it is a really interesting test uh, is, is how we get on in these fixtures yeah agree alright well look um, we'll leave it there let's hope that Mesut Ozil can do that domination of the game and then when it's won I'd like to see the studs up thing and uh, he can he can, have a, <laughs> he can have a rest Julian thanks a million cheers thank you thank you very much indeed to Julian H from Gingers for Limpar you can find him on Twitter at Gingers for Limpar where the four is a number four so that's at Gingers for Limpar all right, let's talk a little bit about FanDuel, which is one-day fantasy football, no commitments over the whole season, waiting until May to see if you've won something. We all know what that feels like, right? Uh, you just pick a team for this weekend, and if your team does well enough, you can win some real money. That's right. Loads of competitions to enter. You can deposit some money in your account. You can play for free as well, but if you deposit money, you can obviously play for the for the bigger money. And this week, FanDuel are offering you deposit £10, play worth £30. So that means you sign up today, make a deposit of £10, and FanDuel will give you an extra £20 free to play with. That means they'll give you £5 every week for four weeks. It's the perfect chance to prove your managerial prowess and win big. That's right. Use the promo code arsblog 30 when you're signing up to claim that particular offer. So you put a tenner in, they give you a fiver a week for the next four weeks, and you can enter the competitions. I've entered a team. If I win any money, it will go to some kind of charity. Um, the charity should be like how bad I am at fantasy football. Nevertheless, my team is Fabianski, Font, David Louise, Wes Morgan... Uh, Antonio Mares, Lalana, and Nordweid, and up front, Diego Costa. Sorry. I can't bring myself to pick Tottenham players or anything, but just Diego Costa. Uh, Shane Long and Jamie Vardy. So we'll see if that team is good enough to do anything. Uh, if it is, I will throw the money in the direction of a very worthy cause. Uh, if you want to sign up, go to fanjewel.co.uk. That's fanjewel.co.uk. Use the promo code arsblog 30 to sign up and get that special offer where they give you £20 worth of credit to play with. You can also get their apps on iOS and Android. So search the Play Store and the App Store and just seek out or search. Indeed, search is the better term, isn't it? Seek out suggests that you'd actually enter the store and, and walk around. But no, just Search for FanDuel and use the promo code Arsblog30 when you sign up now. I just wanted to share a comment that we got on Arsblog News the other day. Uh, it was on the day of Santi Cazorla's birthday. And a fellow who decided the best username that he could f- uh, think of was Nasri wanted to leave some greetings for Santi. Not that he would see them, of course, buried deep in the comment section on, on Arsblog News. But he left this comment all the same. I... I guess his heart was in the right place. What he said was, Hap Bath Day, Saint Carzor. Hap Bath Day, Saint Carzor. I know English isn't everybody's first language or anything, but I like it. I like it. It's just stuck with me all week. I didn't approve this comment or publish it on the website because... uh, you know, we, we, we sort of have standards about spelling and grammar and all those kind of things. But it's just been, I haven't been able to get it out of my head. I haven't been able to delete it. I'm going to leave it in the back end of Arsblog News forever. Happy birthday, Saint Carzor. And of course, um, Saint Carzor, he's out of action. We don't have him at this moment in time. Saint Carzor has had an operation on his Achilles and he will not be in the team to face Manchester City on Sunday. We won there a couple of years ago, and I'm not saying it was all to do with him, but Sant Carzor had probably 
one of the best games he's ever had in an Arsenal shirt that day. It was one of those games, I think it was one of the first times that he was moved deep in the midfield alongside Francis Coquelin, and he was just unbelievably good that day. You think about the game on Sunday, you think about what we need to do, about who we're playing against, and you do think it might be easier. It's not going to be easy, but easier if we had sent Karzor. If we had Karzor and Xhaka or Karzor and Coquelin in the midfield, I think we'd be just a little bit more secure in possession when we have it. Just have that, just that little bit of extra craft. Because this is going to be a hell of a game on Sunday. It's going to be so difficult. So difficult. I mean, they're playing really poorly. Sadly, they've, uh, they've dropped John Stones. He hasn't been playing particularly well at all since his £50 million move. £50 million? Wow. When you think about the money Manchester City have spent on central defenders... Now, Stones is obviously a real prospect. I think he's a good footballer, but he's really struggling to come to terms with what Pep Guardiola wants from him. None of this tackling bullshit or, you know, he wants him to play the ball in dangerous areas, which is something Stones likes to do. But I don't know. I don't know. They spend a lot of money on central defenders. I don't know what my point is there. Oh, I was just going to say, like, uh, when you think of the... The slings and arrows sent the way of lesser purchases like uh, Otamendi, which isn't to say Otamendi is a, a great player, or Mangala, who was 40-odd million pounds, wasn't he? So, I mean, he, he got it right in the neck. Stones is, has got that little bit of English protection going on, and maybe they're taking him out of the team. But, you know, he's been playing so poorly. The idea of Stones trying to deal with Alexis Sanchez, that would have been, that would have been exciting. I would have liked to see that. I wouldn't, you know, want the the young guy to have one of those nights where his career is completely and utterly ruined or anything. No, I'm not that kind of guy. Although when you think about it, what if he grows up to be like another John Terry? The whole nits make lice kind of thing. Take him out while they're young and they don't grow into the thing that you hate the most. He doesn't strike me necessarily as, as that type. But you never know, do you? I mean, just can't tell what lurks under the surface of man. But look, the point is that Manchester City are are not very good defensively at this moment in time. I don't think we are particularly good defensively either, but I don't think we've been as bad as they've been. Pep is finding it a bit more difficult to impose his way of football uh, on a league where, A, you don't have... Lionel Messi or B you're not this gigantic behemoth club that as soon as another club produces a good player you go out and buy them just so you can weaken that club the way that the Bayern Munich did he's finding it more difficult because the Premier League is a bit more difficult a bit more competitive there are more teams who can do damage to you and more teams who can hurt you and Premier League teams um, won't allow you to play the kind of football that Pep Guardiola likes to play not when you don't have the players to play it in particular that's the key thing I think Pep Guardiola's football works when you've got really really good players he just doesn't quite have as many of them as he needs to make that system work but defensively suspect even with uh, the win in midweek I think they are defensively suspect goalkeeper suspect and you would hope that what happened in midweek with us against Everton was a bit of an aberration one of those nights where because we haven't been great defensively, because we haven't kept a clean sheet in 11 games, when you don't score the goals, 
you can get punished. And I think that's kind of what happened. And Alexis and Ozil didn't really click the other night. They didn't get the support from the likes of Oxley chamberlain and Walcott, the guys who've been there this season, you know, to, to pick up the slack a little bit. Uh, you know, they've been contributing and making uh, making a contribution to good results. Uh, when he brought on Iwobi and Giroud, neither of them could really get into the game. So he didn't work as an attacking force uh, against Everton on Tuesday night. But you've got to hope that we can you know, find our groove again very quickly, respond quickly and play the kind of football that we have seen from this team this uh, this season. And if we do, I think we've got a really good chance to bounce back against City. It's whether or not this team has got the mental capacity to do that. Sometimes when Arsenal come to the end of a an unbeaten run, we, I don't know, we feel inhibited or we don't, we, we take our time to get going again. And it can be a case that you get one or two more disappointing results. And I hope that's not the case because if, you know, to win the title, to be really challenging for the title, we can't allow that to happen. We've got to bounce back really quickly. And I do wonder perhaps if a little bit of rotation for this weekend might be in order. Bring back Alex Iwobi into the starting lineup. Perhaps try something a little bit different. If you're playing Alexis there, give Lucas Perez a go on the right-hand side, maybe. And then you've got your options on the bench. You've got Walcott, you've got Oxlade-Chamberlain, you've got Giroud. See if they can come on this time and, and make a bit of a difference. I'd like to just see a little bit of a tweak in the in the team, just to give it a bit of freshness and fresh legs and, you know, give some guys a chance. Um, you know, most of the guys have contributed this season, but when you don't, we've got other players who can and should be given a chance to do that. So I hope that's the case. And then, of course, that is our, our last game before Christmas. So basically, Arsenal, you, you have the power to make everyone's Christmas good or terrible. And hopefully they can make it a really good one. I don't know what else to say about this game. I'm, I'm hopeful, but nervous, but I don't know. You just don't know, do you? Is it happening again like it has in other seasons? I don't know. It's a real beard scratcher. Yeah. Scratching my beard to that one. But look, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that it does work, that we can get a good result. A win would be brilliant. I don't think a draw is necessarily a bad result, given the opposition, given the location. But obviously, depending on on what other teams do, it could become very costly. I think bouncing back and getting a win would answer some of the questions that the people still have about the team. Some of the questions they've answered, some of them they haven't. Uh, and this will be a good chance to do that. So uh, I'm just going to keep everything, fingers, toes, uh, organs, whatever. Everything I can cross, I'm going to cross. Roads, fields, great blue yonders. I, I don't know, everything, everything. Uh, we don't play till Sunday till four o'clock. So lots will happen before we play that game. Adding a little bit of pressure or not, we'll wait and see. James and I will be here on the Arscast Extra on Monday to discuss it all. And uh, I think because Christmas is what? It's a Sunday? It's next Sunday. So there's no reason not to do an Arscast next Friday either. So we might have a festive Arscast, fingers crossed. We've got, uh, we've got reason to celebrate. Uh, so we'll do that. We'll catch you on the next one. Uh, have a great weekend. Thank you, as ever, for listening. It's really appreciated. Say a little prayer for Sant Carzor. Until the next one, cheers. Bye-bye.
join us as we take another enchanting adventure into the world of the angriest man on Twitter. Hello, my son. Hello, father. It has been 19 years since my last confession. God does not worry about how long it is you've been away. Only now that you have returned to his flock. What is it that you'd like to confess to? Well, um, I've been stealing stationery from work. I see. I've also coveted my neighbour's goods. Right. And I have to, um, admit I've, uh, I've coveted his wife a number of times when he's been away on business. Well, those are indeed against God's commandments. I have not respected my, uh, my own wife. She says that I have anger issues, father. And do you, son, do you have issues with anger? Generally speaking, no, but when I'm on Twitter and there's a football game on, I can feel like my temperature is rising. <clears throat> yeah, well, you can, you can see. Look, many of us indeed struggle with the pressures of life and it can make us angry. Once you don't lash out indiscriminately, then it's something that you can come to terms with. But I do lash out, Father. You do? Yes, indeed, I do. Just this week, in fact, I lashed out at a 20-year-old Arsenal player who hasn't yet played 50 games for the club and is still learning his trade as a professional footballer. But in the last minute of a game against Everton, he had a glorious chance to score a goal and he missed, so I told him he was a wanker over and over and over again, Father. Right. Well, I have to say that for all my years of hearing confessions and hearing people's sins, I'm I'm taken aback, I'm afraid. There's just nothing I can do for you, nor the Lord. What? What's that then? Well, basically anybody who would spend their time directing abuse at a young footballer who's trying his best. There's no place in heaven for you. And the Lord, to his credit, has made an agreement with... Your man downstairs, he gets every single one of you. You're going to burn like a complete bastard. It's going to hurt like crazy, Jesus, for eternity too. Ha! God, I'd hate to be you. I really would hate to be you. Anyway, say a couple of Hail Marys for the crack. It's not going to make any difference or anything. You're, you're completely doomed. Oh God, you're going to fry. You're going to... Oh, Jesus. Bet you wish you never set up a Twitter account now, eh? Next week, another madcap laugh-a-minute romp with the angriest man on Twitter. Everything is shit!